0: I'm over here now. I was over there, now I'm over here. Sure, I'll bring all my shoes and my my glasses with me. So I have them. <laughs> yeah, I'm with the OGs on the block to see the terror.
1: Eating pasta primavera, feeding cock to be together people never know the wild shit we might say grew up on eddie murphy jerky boys and dice i've been waking up night nice, screaming brooklyn
0: blast podcast mama took me porn max jergens and it's all frags. easy when we talking about mr ferrari because we go way back when we used to play atari spark tweed taking shots like the fratelli's rv doing donuts in the parking lot at arby's car keys now you can't leave lock the door please jimmy's on the mission time to start the intervention let's go episode 204 of the Brooklyn, Point three. yes of the Brooklyn blaster on his podcast craig le cicero forbidden man-made god spiral arms demonica and the newest project dress the dead correct did i, did I miss anything that
1: no that's all this mean, little stuff in between but nobody nothing uh that has any records out besides those bands so there you go
0: i got you well before we even get started i appreciate your time um before we press record the first time we were talking a little bit how, uh, you know, it's it's really cool. Like, I grew up on, like, a lot of metal and hardcore music and stuff like that, but I'm 45, so when I was, like, 12, 13, 14, watching a lot of Headbangers Balls, starting to get into, like, thrash metal and stuff like that, and I came across this thing. Let's see if you remember this. Do you remember this little VHS tape? The Hard and Heavy
1: Thrash and Speed Metal Special? Oh, yeah. yeah. This? Isn't that, isn't that the one where I'm on the intro? Is that the one? Yes, you are. This yeah, is yeah, what yeah. this is what turned me
0: on to Forbidden and Violence and Voivod and Ca- and Corona and so many bands. And I had this originally and I found it on eBay again. I don't even have a VCR, but I had to buy it again. But this came out in 90, so I was like 14.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say I was gonna guess 14 or 15 because I was I was nineteen when we recorded that deal and then yeah, I was nineteen when we recorded it. So I'm four years older than you. Gotcha. Yeah, so I'm- I was I was a young uh young kid in the scene, kind of like kind of like Andy Galleon. you know, we were pretty young. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, so just because I have this podcast, it's really cool that I've had the opportunity to speak with a lot of guys from Nan, a lot of guys I grew up listening to like Sean Killian and Perry Strickland and Phil Demo and all those guys. So I'm like, you know what? Let me try to reach out to you. You know what I'm
1: going to try to do? Because you're, you're cutting out and your you're people can follow me around. Okay. I'm going to try to walk out outside. All and right. If I can get a better out here. That's I might, get something, better. I might get something better. Just sit in my place. I'm, I'm actually barbecuing. That goes light.
0: Nice, like sunny California.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's beautiful right now. Nice. So I might have a little better signal here. All right. So See? And then I'll just flip over flip open my chair and move it over. <laughs> hey man, That's whatever it works. So Better? Yeah, yeah, you you you're good. Gorilla Podcasting at its best. All right. Well, yeah, man. Gonna you're gonna you're gonna get sunny California behind me. That works for me. Sit down. <laughs> right here. Ah uh, so you this. it How's just that?
0: remind uh, you're perfect. You just remind me you're in your San Francisco 49ers chair. And um, how do you feel that my miserable New York Jets got your defensive coordinator?
1: Oh, yeah, it's great. Oh, it's great. I feel bad for him, but I mean, I'm I'm actually feel really happy for him too. You yeah, know? he's a great guy, dude. He's a, he's a really good coach. Uh, he's one of the best in the league. I know. Um, he's he he got better as he went along. He didn't come out like he didn't have talent. So right. it takes a while to get the talent. And then this year, all all our talent was on the. On the bench you know they were on IR and yeah. he still managed to make us a top five defense so if that doesn't tell you how good he can be I don't know what can because that, he's good.
0: he's gonna come to my Jets and he's gonna shit all over the place with that miserable team I'm a miserable diehard Jets fan it's terrible
1: uh, uh, you know well I feel <laughs> like if anyone can make that team better if he delegates properly and hires the right coaches which he did hire McDaniels as your uh, offensive coordinator Within two years, if, if I don't know if you're going to stick with Sam Darnold or not, but uh, mm. I think he should be a much, much better team. I, I I like Sam Darnold, dude. He just had crappy coaching, you know? Yeah. Oh, it's, it's,
0: it's, oh, well, listen, I'm, I'm a, I mean, obviously we'll, we'll get past the sports, but I'm a diehard, well, I was a lot more into the Yankees and stuff like that, but I'm a diehard Yankee fan. So I've been through like the glory. You know what I mean? I've had, all the ups and downs with that team. And I wasn't even born when the Jets won that Super Bowl. Uh, all, I want, uh, all I
1: want is one dude. No. All I want is one. I don't know if I was even born. What year did they, did they win in 67 or 68? 69. Okay. Well I, don't, well, I wasn't the 69 season in 70 was the game or 68 yeah. or 70 or 68 season. In 69 was a game. I wasn't born yet. 68 I born yet. season, 69 game. Yeah, all I want is one. Uh, the, the short, the, the short of it is, you got yourself a good coach. I hope that the front office is as good oh, as he is. Miserable, miserable. All right. So now,
0: there's a few things. Now I listened. I listened to the five hours, brilliant episode with you and Zetro, and I listened to it all. Okay, my, dude, unbelievable. If everyone listening or watching this. Go check that out. It's two parts, five hours long. Well, two parts on iTunes, but several on YouTube. Amazing. So there's a couple of things. I mean, I'm not going to hold you hostage, obviously, for five hours. But I do want to, because I might have a different demographic than Zetro. So I do want to go over some of the stuff, you know, like like starting back in the day with like Forbidden Evil and stuff like that. And I know you've sp- spoken about this stuff a million times. But just to paint the picture of, for people who might not be as familiar as i am
1: you know what i'm saying well i mean what, specifically what what which part of the picture you want painted because there's a part of the picture that was just a kid band that didn't really you know you don't really know what you're doing until you record your first album and then you still don't really know what you're doing as you're recording it and then you're out on the road you don't know what's going to happen on the road right so you don't know what you're doing then and you just there's de- varying degrees of, of learning trial by fire So which part, which part of the picture do you want? Let's go into,
0: let's go into the beginning formation. And you don't have to go into every single little thing like you did on Zetros, but the beginning formation of Forbidden Evil. Okay. Before it was Uh, Forbidden.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, Forbidden Evil was really uh, a name that was kicked around by Rob and his friend, Jim Pittman. Rob uh, Flynn. Rob Flynn. Yeah, but I think it was Jim Pittman found it. It was a War Cry song on a U.S. metal album or something. I think it was okay. something like that. And it was a name they were kicking around, but they didn't really stick with it. And uh, they were called a lot of things, like Inquisitor. Uh, we had stupid names when I finally joined the band. It, it was like, no, we don't want to be forbidden evil. We're gonna. They were never. They never even played a show or party or anything until I got in the band. And then um. And then once I did join the band, uh, we were looking at names like War Witch. It's stupid, stupid. <laughs> like You know, the stuff. You know, the stuff the kids come up with. Uh, I Russ love all of that old shit. I love all of those old cheesy, trying to be extra brutal names when you were a kid. I love that shit. Well, we did. I mean, we went with Forbidden Evil. You know, they they found Russ in an ad, and when they found Russ and uh, invited me over to their one of their first practices, Russ and I hit it off right away. And then, and then the other guys all left, and I picked up a guitar, and I started playing Balls of the Wall. And he liked the way I played. He's like, You should be in this band. I'm all you tell that to them, you know. So yeah. That but you know, there was it wasn't really a band until I joined. And then we went to my mom's garage and became uh, Forbidden Evil after probably about a couple uh, couple weeks of looking for names. And it's like, no, nah, let's just go back to Forbidden Evil. Okay, you know, yeah. Like, so that's that's kind of how that happened. And uh we just played, you know, house parties and did all the shit, but we were going to shows uh we're going to a lot of shows at Ruthie's we were our our house parties were destroy the backyard destroy the house parties back when nobody knew anything about that kind of shit it was of course like they were scared to death you know like in the suburbs of Fremont um California where we're from which is about almost 40 miles outside of San Francisco at least 30 something and you know they were like what the fuck you know the jocks (laughs) and punks and and the chicks and the stoners everybody was like you know places just got destroyed so yeah. that's how we kind of built our game. and uh, then we got—we uh, used to go to Ruthie's all the time. And was it, I, were I, you
0: like? Was that what, like that? Was like your local spot? We used to play, probably played the most as a younger band.
1: Once we got into Ruthie's, we we saw many shows there. I went to go see Exodus there, Death Angel there, Legacy there. I saw Violence played their first couple shows there, and uh, and then I, I got to know the owner of the place. Well, I'm not the owner. The the booking agent, the guy who's the guy who's in the the ticket office, you know, the Wes Robinson, very famous, uh, black gentleman, um, really loved the camaraderie of the kids, the competition of the kids, the, to him, he looked at music like this thrash metal stuff. Like it was, it was like 1980s jazz because it was so out of control, you know, from his ear, it was like, this stuff's out of control. It's like, you know, he saw it as like Coltrane or, or, you know, somebody crazy. So, um, yeah, so we we hit it off, and then he offered us the show. Him and I hit it off. Nobody else really went and talked to him. And uh, he offered us the first show with Metal Church on January thirtieth, nineteen eighty-five. Wow. And yeah, I wasn't even sixteen. I don't. Maybe I just turned sixteen. Actually, it was it was sixteen at that point. Now we yeah, you still bought,
0: because I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass, but you're an incredible guitarist and. Even at that age, even even those early demos and the first record and stuff, like
1: you're a sick guitar player. Are you like self-taught at all? Did you just like pick it up and you're just like a natural? Well, I mean, I'm always the guy, yeah, I'm I'm really self-taught. I've 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 learned from the guys I played with because Rob was uh self-taught as well, but he took a few lessons, I think. And then Rob was really good. And he you know, he was more advanced than people knew he was. When he joined Violet, he kind of he literally kind of just de- I don't want to say dumbed it down, but he went in a different, more bluesy direction than he was with us where he was yeah. kind of messing around you know, neoclassical stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, I was always what, I mean, I'll just, I'll just say how it is. I was always the lesser lead player, but the guy who wrote the music and that's always, you know, when Rob was both when he was in the band, but he was 17 and I was 15. And then he was 18. And I, you know what I mean? So he's two yeah, years he older. Is. And then once we got Glenn in the band, I was writing most of this stuff, and um, Glenn was just a shredder, that played not just a shredder, an incredible shredder, yeah. who played in like glam bands. He, he had no knowledge of thrash metal at all when he first joined us. It, really? Like, he heard of Metallica. That was heard it. it. <laughs> yeah. So it was a, it was a huge challenge for him, and he stepped up and and added his flair, and uh, but I'm you know I, I was more or less the glue, and okay. I've always been the glue, and I play plenty of leads and stuff, but. It, I I never was the like the sweeper or uh, you know the shredder of cheddar or any of that stuff. I was the guy who holds (laughs) all together. I'm the guy who holds it together, you know. Okay. And I I have no problem being that part. I'm primarily. I look at myself like I'm a better rhythm player uh, than I am lead player, and I'm a better rhythm player than most people are. You know, that's one thing I can do. Yeah, Yeah, I do both, but you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I I get it.
0: I completely get it. And I've heard stories about you know, I know. a decent amount about the whole bay area thrash scene back then and i've heard stories about ruthies and i always equate i could be wrong but i always equated it to being the san francisco area version of lemurs here in brooklyn
1: sure no i mean oh. you know every every area's got it but of course when you get to the bigger cities they're going to get more of it and it's going to seem more concentrated and more self-important because that's where you're from a big city oh, but me. you know there's there's some great little cities that have incredible scenes but, I mean, you know, of course, you got in the, you got LA, you got Bay Area, you got, you know, uh, I want to say Chicago had a good scene. Of course, New York, you know, uh, Boston and Providence had a great scene. Yeah. Um, even Milwaukee had a really good scene. Florida, oh, as we you know, they had a great scene. Sure. Seattle had their scene and it was a good too. Like you know, everybody had their, had the thing. Yeah, there's something about that
0: Bay Area thing for, for some weird reason. Like I said, I'm, I'm a born and raised Northeast guy, but there's something about that whole Bay area thing that I was always attracted to. And I'm not sure exactly what it is. I don't know. All those bands,
1: it, you know, people ask all the time, well, what was it? I you know, was it in the water? Was it uh, definitely not the water, it, but it was in the air. And even back here, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm living I've my wife and I have lived here for 22 years, you know, and, uh, and we're living in the back where there's there's hills behind us which are you know everything around here is connected to a fault line you know we're oh, all connected to geez. fault lines <laughs> yeah. so there's those those there's maybe it's earthquakes you know like uh it's just do something about them? the bay area do you feel oh, them? i felt dude. i was i was there for lola Prieta, which was that 89 that was yeah 89 that was insane that was before we recorded uh Twisted in a form. That was just a few months before we went in to do that, and that was a motherfucker. I we all I was with Tim Calvert. And we all had fat burritos. And we're hanging over at my friend's house, and the ground started shaking so hard. We're like, "Let's go outside. Let's get out of the house." We did. We watched the whole street shake like like. No like shit. So we were doing this, and then, yeah, he had this old Impala called La Bomba. I'm all, S.A., look at your La Bamba!" You know, like yeah, you know, it was crazy. Then we were really stupid got up on the roof for round two and waited around for more. Like, uh, oh, of so course, course. We were up here. You do stupid shit when you're a kid. I, I would have did the same stupid. shit, of course. We did a lot of stupid shit.
0: Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> Big time. So, of course, cool. so, so you get your foot into Ruthie's in you start playing,
1: and then, I mean, eventually, you get... didn't take long, man. You know, it didn't take long. Um, once Rob uh, joined Violence, because we did a demo with rob and then you know there's a lot all kinds of little funny stories about that but we don't have time for all that but let's just fast forward to he joined violence we searched for guitar players i knew glenn from high school uh he was called ace back then and he used to break dance he was actually the best break dancer at our school by far really he was was just as good at breaking as he was at guitar okay Yes. yes it's crazy like people are really yeah he had big he had like the like the spiky pompadour with the hair that went down like oh really yeah he looked cool. he was a pretty cool dude in school but i never thought i'd play in a band with him i was like that dude's sick i heard he plays van halen <laughs> and Dockett. you know like but once we got him in the band there was an obvious chemistry because it was that extra shred you know and um so that really helped set us off we got better gigs we played gigs with rob like that metal church gig was with rob we did a bunch of uh, bunch of Ruthie shows with Rob. The last show we did with Rob actually was in the end of 80, maybe October of 86. And we played the Scottish Rights Temple, which is a big place in Oakland with suicidal tendencies, wow. legacy, Law's Rocket, and Stone Vengeance. Wow. And we, and we opened, we opened. And then uh, Rob was gone a few weeks after that and, you know, that's when Len came in, like a few weeks after that. And what a crazy say, fucking
0: lineup, man! That's
1: awesome. Yeah, well, it was it was great. It was great. Thank Suicide you. was so killer, and then my wife is actually uh, Mike Neer's cousin, which is really funny because uh not many people know that. But he's like family. We see his dad more than we ever see Mike, but great, great people. You know, yeah, awesome. Mike, I, I, Mike met, is I
0: met Mike one time. It was actually. My introduction into like hardcore music, I've told this a million times, but I don't care, I've never told it to you. I went to <laughs> Lemoore's I went to Lemoore's and um it was the lineup was white zombie before the Geffen records and all that. It was like the Make Them Die Slowly yeah. record. They looked like a bunch of homeless people. They were very noisy, they were not big at all. They, were, they weren't good.
1: Do you listen to those old white zombie things that it's amazing. This, squeeze, squeeze something out of that, you know? <laughs> they're
0: so bad, but I like them because of what they
1: are. But they look cool. They look, you know, it, was a, it yeah. was a vibe.
0: Yeah. And then it was a big, I don't know if you ever heard of Leeway?
1: Oh, yeah. Fuck, dude. Hell yeah. Dude.
0: Eddie, Eddie's like a good friend of mine. It's like, it's crazy. So, and then it was Suicidal. But I went there to see Suicidal and I had heard of Leeway, but once they came on, they're a very crossover band but that Lamore's exploded and I'm like yeah what the fuck do we
1: have Lee Waves like you know like, Free Madball and, and, oh, and yeah. Sick of it all and all those yeah. you know, those are all great bands Crumb yeah. Suckers were a great one unbelievable yeah, yeah. so you so, so that's so that too, I
0: met Mike Muir outside of Lamore's and he was I mean this is a long this is like 1990 sweetheart of a guy that I remember I remember there was just like no ego about him because I'm you know before that I'm listening to like like some, like, hair metal bands because my sister was into Motley Crue and all the stadium stuff, you know what I mean? So there's just, like, Mike Muir just chilling outside of Lamo's. Hey, what's up, man? Like a regular guy. <laughs> so that made me, I don't know, respect him more and just he's, like, a regular guy with
1: no ego. He is a regular, he is a regular guy. And, I want to uh, get him on his, family. His family's amazing. His family's awesome.
0: Yeah, awesome. All right, so... All right,
1: so you, you go into the studio and... Yeah, well... Fast forward, you know, Here. we, uh, we do a lot of gigs with Glenn, uh, better gigs. There's, there, we play playing a lot with violets. That's where the real, you know, people like to talk about the competition we had where we really pushed each other as all the bands did like death angel Testament, you know, uh, Heathen. we were all the next ones up. Right. Yeah. Um, and you know, death angel became really, really good friends of ours and they used to put us on a lot of shows and, uh, even brought us out on tour later on you know but everyone had their little clicks and we didn't really well I, looking back on it now i'm kind of proud that we didn't really fit in because of russ and yes. we were even more melodic and we had you know we were a uh, very different everybody was different but we were really different you know yeah. And so th- that's kind of what set us apart and got us into all the record labels once we got debbie abano to manage us which is our there would have probably been not as many deals on the table if debbie hadn't come and come in and put us under her wing yeah. and introduced us to all the biggest people in the industry
0: you know um people don't realize how
1: instrumental
0: debbie was
1: oh she was huge
0: she was, she huge. was fucking huge uh, and i know yeah, sean i was- I had sean on he even said he's like yeah we, we fired debbie Bono and after that it was kind of like downhill from there <laughs> you know it was kind of a stupid
1: move yeah they fired her way before we did and, and we fired her later on for you know not the best reasons but probably a little bit better than the, their reasons <laughs> yeah. well you know uh but anyway so it, combat came around we did our first record in alpha and omega which is Hyde Street Studios it's one of the rooms in Hyde Street which is a famous place in uh, Tenderloin of San Francisco total heroin bum town but the studio is famous uh, Bloister Cult did uh, a lot of their records there okay stuff like that so you know we were just like again as we go back to what I was saying like you're learning the shit trial by fire you don't really know You you don't really appreciate exactly everything you're in in the moment you just do it and you're like you know, in your kid mind, my kid mind is like, Yeah, of course this is what we're supposed yeah, of course this is what we do. We're t- of course we belong here. Yeah. But, you know, sure maybe, you know, you gotta it's it's good to look back and appreciate it more now. I, I have a, yeah. a, a fond memory of what Debbie did, uh the band that we had, all the guy all the guys in the band, you know, all the dudes that the lineup with Paul Bostaff and and you know Glenn Ridiculous. And, and Matt and Russ and I have always been together we've matt's pretty much been in the band since 86 and he's the only one with us that's been there the whole time
0: right and then we'll fa- i mean i mean, we'll, we'll get to it you know but but you reconvened with matt and May may god
1: uh, well actually what happened is forbidden ended much later but yeah uh yeah when no, we, ended, when we ended in 97 yeah, we ended in 97 matt and steve came with me and i was trying it, that's a funny story I'll just jump ahead for a bit. I was looking to try to find a different voice, different. I was definitely hearing music way more classic uh, songwriting. And it's just, it's just, I was in a different headspace and I was trying to get away from everybody and I, nothing personal. I loved them all, but I was like, I just want to get away from all of you guys right now. Yeah. And those guys wouldn't let me go. They're like, no way, dude, we're going wherever you're going. We're going to do whatever you want to do. With a lot them. of weirdness because it made the other guys feel like, well, why are those guys quitting on us? And I was quite frankly trying to separate myself from everybody at that point. Right. You know, but I'm glad that went happened. So Steve went with us and Matt went with us. Steve was with me all the way through man. Made God from that all the way into spiral arms until his shoulder just gave out on him. Right. Fuck.
0: Yeah. Because that man made God stuff. I I really wish that it would have. I know that you guys had a buzz going on, but I so wish that it would have been so much bigger.
1: I mean so much. It was, I mean I mean we're jumping around a little bit and it's whatever but, but that's okay cuz we do only have a certain amount of time so we can yeah, jump we can jump yeah we can jump <laughs> so, but jump it's, around. jump jump yes exactly um so
0: cuz there was so i mean the music scene in general was had changed drastically i mean yeah. i mean when i mean when was that was 2000 i mean shit
1: well, okay, the, the Man May God, well, that's a whole other story, but... Right. To, to go back to what you're you're saying, just on that level of, like, I wish, you know, dude, there was a point, and that's a that's a whole... I know we went over it on Zet's thing a little bit, Yeah, but that band was supposed to be, like, huge. People were betting large farms on Man May God, and it was gonna happen, you know, Rick Rubin obviously took a big chance on us. Loved the band, loved the songs, loved their singer, loved the songs I was writing, loved the riffs, loved the, you know. Can you actually it, talk a little
0: bit about what it's like and how it was to work with a fucking maniac genius like fucking Rick Rubin?
1: Well, the first thing you learn about Rick is he's actually not a maniac. People look at him like he's a maniac, but no, I don't
0: think he's like, I don't think he's insane, but I I mean I meant it in like a genius
1: way like crazy yeah, he is well no he house. is a genius he is genius. well uh, here's the thing with rick and I, I could best explain it like this i got along with rick great he had no and this is this is what's weird because it got really strange because he had no negative critique to what i was doing um he really came in hard on drum drums and bass the foundation is such a big thing to him and with, he, uh, what I'll say about Rick is as genius as he is, sometimes he sees things at a glance, right? He's, his genius is like, oh yeah, that's cool. Here's what that should do. And then he tells you that's what that should do. Now, nine times out of 10, that that works. In Man Made God's case, it ended up inhibiting the band's real magic because he was trying to get us to streamline the drums and the bass. So we were more straight ahead rock than we actually were when we went to the studio. Okay. Which didn't affect what I did. Right. But you can imagine how that affected the other guys. Of course. Like Steve is an incredible drummer. And he's like, he looked at Steve one day and he grabbed his nose, he's all metal bad. He's all <laughs> I love metal. I love metal bands. I don't love Man May God being a metal band. Okay. and that just crushed Steve. Because we were at the root of rock band, but we had all these syncopated bass drum metal things. So that changed the bass. That changed the drums when the bass changed or changes the bass when the drums change and then there was a whole like from the day we went to the studio in 2001 to the day the album came out i don't think it came out to 2003 right so that tells you right there you know it's like putting it through the eye of the needle so what we had every management company wanted us every every management company in la we were actually managed by doug goldstein who managed guns and roses for a while wow and then but that was under Rod Smallwood's company of Sanctuary. So Rod was the big guy. And then mm-hmm. Doug was one of his other guys. He had another guy named Mark. And they all fought. And then we got, they fired Doug Goldstein from us and gave us uh, Rick Sales, who had wow. just merged with them from you know Slayer Rick Sales. Yeah. Because he wanted to work with man-made God. He oh. made a merger deal. Didn't work out. Fuck. We ended up, we were going to fire him, which sucked. I was not happy about it cuz I actually liked Rick and Kristen Mulderick was our day-to-day Kristen was our day-to-day Kristen now is the day-to-day for Slayer well Slayer's not around but she's a, she's a, runs the a whole Rick sales management company she is now for Macedon Gojira and Ghost Jesus the main God. manager and she was our day-to-day everything she she was unbelievable really. was, yeah. but bottom line is our singer really just didn't know how the business Worked and it wasn't going to be a fast road. It was going to be you still got to take those steps, you know. And he was like, why aren't we doing this and why aren't we doing that? And he's a great singer and a great dude, but he was green, mm. and that ended up being the the death knell to the band. You know, Gotcha. So in, in a long, long story, what? Oh, hold on, was it? What's that temperature at? One seventy-two. One what? Seventy-two. Oh wow, it's going to be a little while, huh? Maybe we should turn up to two fifty. See we're barbecuing around. There you go. Just do it. That'll help push it up a little higher. Okay, sorry about that. Hey, no, it's all right, man. It's cool. We'll bring it out. My it's buddy, buddy sleeves here, my, my stage manager, my best, best buddy from works with me forever. Nice. So he, he comes out once in a while. There you go. So now I know we just jumped
0: around, but I and mean, we 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 can just, just backpedal just for a minute. I want to go into well, I mean, how much did you tour for the 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 Forbidden Evil record and then into Twisted Into Form? Like, were you guys like road dogs, like crazy?
1: I think, well, we would have been, but they were always trying to make everybody do things so fast. I, we had, uh, our first tour was in uh, spring of 89 with Sacred Reich in Europe. And then we immediately came back. That was, that was almost two months. And then we immediately came back and did three weeks with Exodus on after they did their Headbangers Ball tour, and then we jumped on right on with that with Sacred Right again and did another two months in the United States. Gotcha. And we were done with all that probably by September, and then they're like, "Okay, now write another record." And then we, <laughs> like, what? And so we <laughs> went in and started writing. Twist. I had I already had Step by Step and One Foot in Hell pretty much put together, but the the other songs, um, we all did just you know, once we got Tim Calvert in the band and came home and really started digging into writing, uh, that was where the real magic happened. That was where it made me realize how, in my opinion, how much better of a band we became having somebody that could orchestrate with me. Sure. I was interested in writing songs like this, you know, like we're, yeah. we're, a team or we're putting these parts together. It wasn't about anything more than making the greatest songs we possibly could in a short, short amount of time. Yeah. We were in the studio, uh, From that September, we were in the studio. We moved in the day of the Super Bowl. We played, 49ers played the uh, Denver Broncos was the day we moved into the room. And I remember walking by the big TV. It's like one of those, you know, those projection TVs with the three little dots, the lights. Yes. (laughs) Because it it was the sound room uh, where they do um, overdubs and effects. So there's like all these little rocks on the floor and all these little sounds like for walking and all that. So yeah. that was the room, and it was like one of those TVs. I just walked by to. We scored another touchdown. Scored another touchdown. That was a three. fucking good day for you, man. <laughs> I wish I could have watched the game, you know. But, uh, <laughs> of course. But yeah, it was a good day. We moved in, and, and Twisted and Form was recorded pretty goddamn fast. Yeah. So sure. yeah, you know, I mean that that so the touring was condensed, and then uh you know we were recording so quick. And then it wasn't long after that at all. They pushed the album out really soon after, um, after we finished recording. We were already on the road by like May in Europe with Death Angel. Wow. And that was another two months st- uh, stint with them. And then we came home for a very, very short amount of time. And then we were out for another two months. But when we went out to Europe, the album wasn't twisted in the form, wasn't even out yet. It had dropped maybe about three weeks into the tour. So people didn't really know it.
0: Right. They were just like, oh,
1: yeah, cool, bobbing their heads. Like, okay, you know, they don't know this. Yeah, song. they don't know but the new when song. When it came out, they, were like, they, they lost their minds. It, it definitely did. Twisted and was a more successful album uh, right. worldwide. Yeah. You know, it, it sold more. People know it a little bit more. At least they did back then. I think now, for ben evil has got its own little niche.
0: No. Yeah, of course. I think they. I think that those two first record have absolutely a, a cult following yeah, cult. status. And absolutely,
1: you said it. And, and I've never looked at Forbidden like it's any more than that. Um, we had the chance. You know, There's a thing. I'm sure you, if you watch that thing with uh, Zed, there's the part where I talk about how Rick Rubin tried to sign us uh, from as Forbidden Evil from Combat. He was trying to take us away to, to his label to Deaf American yeah and uh debbie didn't even tell us she didn't even tell us uh she was making she thought we had our heads on we were were getting big heads and she was right you know we we were getting cocky but you know how many managers turn an opportunity down to be bought out right you know by by a a mogul yeah Exactly. so but but, you know that that was the sticking point you talk about why we fired debbie that was the real point of how it ended up happening because it ended up pissing a couple guys in the band off really, really a lot. And I was yeah, not, I, don't, I don't blame it. I, I was like, too. well, you know, we wouldn't have had twisted into form. It would have been a different it would have been a different thing. We would have been doing Forbidden Evil Part Two or something. And Got That you. might have made a lot of people happy, like, oh yeah, <laughs> fuck, you, but not really. Like <laughs> yeah. I, I think we took the right turn. It was just suck with Debbie to, to let her go. But we made up and her and I became really good friends later. That's oh. awesome. Yeah, no. I was with her, you know. Basically, the right before she passed away, I went to the house and got to say goodbye, my goodbyes and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Fuck. Oh, by the way, let me just say because you said that, rest in peace, Marsha Zazula. Oh, I know. know, Yeah, Marsha. I met her a
1: few times, and every time I met her, it was with Debbie. Oh my god. Every time I met her, Marsha was with Debbie.
0: I was. That was a shock. I saw Johnny posted that. I had I had Johnny Z on not too long ago promoting his book and stuff like that. And that was like my 14-year-old inner self was flipping out, talking with that guy. And he sent me a book and for nothing, he autographed it. Like, so we talk every once in a while? Had no idea that Marshall was sick or anything. So it just, I was just like, holy shit. So yeah, he
1: kept it, he kept it to himself. Um, yeah. I, I'd only heard in passing and then all of a sudden she's gone. Yeah. Fucking shit. You know, let that, you know, I mean, we're getting older. Yeah. These, dude, these dude. folks, these folks, uh, you know, these folks that were older than us that we we thought were old when we were kids. Oh, yeah. They're either not here or, you know, just yeah. getting old. Yeah, dude. Crazy. Debbie was, I remember being at her 60th birthday party, 59th birthday party, thinking, man, our manager's so old. <laughs> we're <Well>, not <laughs> that James far Hepfield, away, Hepfield man. That was there. That was, at, uh, we had a, a yeah, James Hatfield was at that one.
0: Hmm. No shit. Yeah. So, Every it seemed, every other day, I feel like little pieces of my childhood are all getting buried, man. It's it's insane.
1: Got to dig them up, man. This thing you got to, you know, it's like Tinker Toys, dude. You gotta, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <you know, laughs> tinker Toys. Uh, we're we're all lucky to have memories that are good ones, and uh, sure. and yeah. I and I look at it. I do literally at this stage of my life with my son and my family, and my you know my wife. Like we're tight, we're tight, dude. And, yeah. I look at him uh, he looks a lot like I looked, you know, and I'm like, and he's going to kill her band. And there's just, there's just not the opportunities for a, a, a band like there was when we were kids, you know, your, right. your chances are even less. So to really be in the music and to really just want to do it because you love the music is what he, he's in it for and his friends. Yeah. Um, you know, What's the name of his band? They don't have a name yet. Okay. They don't have a name. It's, it's my bass player's, uh, Son plays guitar and he's freaking killer. And he's only he's only seventeen. Dominic's sixteen. He plays drums and uh, another girl, Elena. You ever watch a Metallica movie with a girl picks up the bass and plays Seek and Destroy? I don't think so. Yeah, there's a part in the Metallica movie, uh, some kind of monster where they have tryouts, and it's the one girl. Her son plays bass, and she's Elena, and she's she's amazing. And her son's very talented, too. So they, they haven't found a singer yet, but okay. they're good. I mean, they're they're fucking good. And I'm, nice. I don't want to say it too loud. Right. <laughs> they're good.
0: Good. Well, I, I, I wish them nothing but the
1: best, man. Yeah, you, know, yeah, once you they get, know, once they get a full band together, we'll see.
0: Yeah, that's it. So now, 1990, Twisted The Form comes out. Then there's a four-year break in between records. And now Distortion comes out in 94. Which is a very, very, very pivotal year for, for any kind of heavy music.
1: Well, you yeah, to- you, it's, your chances are slim to none that anyone wants to hear you, uh, if, unless it's got a, a grunge tinge to it, you know, or, or or death metal. And right. uh, yeah, forbidden was evolving, and we were getting better, and we were definitely having more modern elements. But it was it was forbidden from no one, you know, like you you knew it was forbidden. Yeah. So, but yeah, you know we. That album was actually in Europe got great reviews. Um, it, I love it, that record. I love yeah, that it, record. It's, it's I a, love the cool green one. record. Yeah, that's a cool one too. Green, green's like our caveman record. Green green. Green's like a green's like the the fuck you parting shot, you know. Yeah. In the, man. Back <laughs> of my, in the back of my mind, I knew if we weren't gonna do anything with green, that that was it. And so that was my attitude. And really primarily most of the music on that album was written by myself and Steve Jacobs. Okay. A drummer because at that point tim was getting frustrated and wasn't as he wasn't into the brutally heavy he did a great job with the shitty rope but it, it just wasn't really floating his boat as much you know yeah he's more orchestrated and dark and into you know queens reich and crimson glory and great stuff that was just more his school of, yeah you know so i i, I felt his it, it was causing a little strain but russ was way into it and as was matt and uh I could feel it was closing in. And if it wasn't going to go big, it wasn't going to go. Right. So that's, that's kind of what happened Is it once, once the label said, Oh, what did they do? They go out. They said, yeah, they said, it's, a, it's a very progressive. I'm like, in my mind, I'm like, what? It's like less progressive. And yeah. They're like, yes. Well, we, we have a tour for you with men of war. I'm like, I'm out. I'm just, I'm out, man. Man of war. I just felt like it was an insult to injury at that point. There yeah. were, there were, it wouldn't have actually hurt us at all. But in my mind, I, I just wasn't ready to go there. Yeah, was, I don't think it just sounds, it sounds odd. I don't know. Well, it would have been sold out.
0: It would have sold been. Out,
1: but, their, but their crowd, you know, and Forbidden's crowd and Forbidden pissed off. I don't see it. It just, you know, it was time. Yeah. So that's really why it ended. I kind of forced the hand on that. People had threatened. But I, I just said, okay, here's, you know, it's time for me to find. That's what I was going back to what I said earlier, I. I decided I wanted to start my own my own thing and use all these feelings I have to, you know, start from scratch and just not have to worry about trying to fit into a metal crowd and not worry about right. the even, We When we started, we were very experimental. And, and what man may God you heard is way different than what we started as, which was just really heavy. I used to tell people it was like finger painting was shit. It was about four years ahead of its time. Wow. It was just really, really heavy. It was it kind of picked up where Green left off, but just maybe a little bit more melodic. Yeah. And, and trippy. It kind of, uh, we had a singer that was, he was a heroin addict. So it had a weird. Yeah. It had a, it's not the same guy you heard on the Man Make Out uh, record. Gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah. Once you throw that into the mix, it kind of makes it sound a little bit weird, a little different.
1: One thing, his name was Mike Sullivan. And one thing he did for me, though, is, uh, and I'll, and I'll always give him credit. He actually showed me a lot. He was a hell of an artist. Like it just he, it, the way he played, the way he looked at music was art. And uh, as an as a heroin addict, just might you know. Yeah. So it's well, true he, though. It
0: seems that you, way, doesn't it? Like a lot of heroin addicts, they seem very very artsy, and they have
1: sometimes they're they're well, brilliant they're, when it comes to certain. They're shit. hard they're hard to manage, dude. But um, oh, and, well, and, and it was I'm my sure. fault thinking I could change him in any way. And like, what are you yes. fucking thinking? So but I will tell you that uh, he said something to me. I, I had a riff one day that I thought was just the, the just one of the coolest things I'd written, like a lot of things like, oh, this is it. you know, this is fucking amazing you know? And he's like, yeah. I'm like, yeah, dude, it's gonna be a great song. He's all it's all right. He's, all, but you know what? There's a million great riffs after that one. Just move on. I'm like, okay. All and right. from that point on songwriting became a lot easier for me there you go I, I realized if someone's going to get stuck on this i better move on quickly because i don't want to sit around looking at each other there you go all right that's a good way so to there go. was something i gained a lot from that guy um in that respect and then once pan came along our other singer after uh we had to fire for mike um he was bringing tons of uh gravitas and blues and It it just seemed more like classic rock all of a sudden. It was like, well, this guy's like, uh, you know, you you know, the man they got record. I I felt like he's more like Lou Graham. yeah, from Foreigner, mixed with Robert Plant, you know. That makes sense. A little bit of Chris Cornell, but it was just all the classic gravelly voices that. Yeah, I could definitely hear that.
0: That makes sense. Sure.
1: Yeah, this to me. I mean, I I, then all of a sudden just just got, and then I told you the story earlier. You know everybody wanted a piece of it and there, wow. and i told you how that ended <laughs>
0: yeah well that well then enter spiral arms No, there you go right yeah, to no, spiral no, arms
1: yeah. yep right to spiral arms um when the, when all this stuff was starting to happen with the label um and in management companies and you know it was just extraordinary it was almost a million dollars we were in the hole for that record uh between recording it in los angeles being there for a year and a half no um, shit the tour yeah it was ridiculous and Fuck. Um, and then they wanted us to go right back in the studio kind of like we twisted it in a form like why don't you just start it? like we just started this cycle i know it took him forever to come out yeah but uh but i our singer was going through a lot of financial hardship because we there wasn't money to be made on the road all right you know um so when he came home he expected money to be there and uh, yeah, we got some money. Uh, he wouldn't allow video games and uh, movies into the or TV into the 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 culture of the band because he thought that was selling out. I was like, bro, that's your meal ticket, you know? Well, like, like to get into a video game or into a commercial or some shit. Yeah, he wouldn't. He wasn't. He wasn't down for that at the time. Later on, when we got back together and did some shows, he said, "I should have fucking done that." Oh I my mean, damn, I fucking been, right, you been, right, you should. I always told him. I, I told him straight out too. I said, "Hey, dude, check it out. It's okay." if you got a good song in a bad movie, yeah, it's okay if it's a good song in a bad video game. If it's a bad song in a good movie, that's not okay. Right? See what I'm saying? You know, like, <laughs> yeah. it's like, if it's good, it's good. People yeah. are going to remember the song and they, and they were trying to pitch us for all kinds of stuff. And the, uh, the management company and the label snuck behind our backs and, and pitched us to a, a video game. And, uh, made us a good chunk of change. Just one, one video game. It was backyard wrestling. Oh, all right. That's awesome. All right. That's cool. Yeah, 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 you totally. And then here, here guys, here's this check. Boom. See what you could have. And and that was like, okay. You know, I was like, there you go. Does that, he, he got mad about it. And uh, and then I, like I said, well, why don't we all take a piece of that money and put it into the bank and pay our studio rent off for X amount of time. Sure. He wasn't down for that idea. And that was, my, I mean, I, I probably reacted too quick, but I just pulled the plug. I said, "Listen, dude, I cannot be in a band if we're not all." In well, this yeah. Together. Why,
0: why wouldn't you take a nice chunk of change for basically almost nothing? You, you gotta hit, and to roll it back over into the band.
1: Devil's advocate, uh, he was going through more financial shit. He had a, a, a girlfriend, and a different lifestyle, and I love this guy, man. I, I'll, I mean, I really—he was one of the greatest artists. Uh, it was lyrical artists I've ever I always wrote the lyrics you know I didn't have to with him and um, yeah he was something else man it, it, but I just it, he was also quite frankly becoming a pre-madonna so it was a choice like am I going to do this and fight my entire career with this or am I just going to call it and start a, or, you know, get a new singer and that was kind of the mindset we went in it was, it was and we all just agreed okay we're done with him Rick Rubin's like fuck. <laughs> he's like well, he's all Craig. I'll, <laughs> I'll do anything with you. I'll do anything with Pan, especially together. You know, good luck finding that next singer. And I got Tim from Systematic, and uh, who was a big Man Made God fan. And I knew Tim. I was I was a Systematic fan. You know, and I thought it was going to really really uh, work immediately with the label, but they didn't like his voice in our band. they they didn't like man they got with tim uh so that's why we started spiral arms gotcha because i like tim's voice a lot Uh, yeah i thought i thought we were you know about to write some really great stuff it just i think to fast forward the whole experience in the beginning of spiral arms was just very two it's like two chicks on the rebound you know (laughs) like two major two major label bands You know, he was signed to Lars, Lars Ulrich signed them, Rick Rubin signed us. We thought it was going to be like, you know, we're just going to put these two things together and bang, yeah. But the industry was changing again and we were writing rock and roll stuff and rock and roll stuff, pure, I mean, real like heavy rock stuff. And there wasn't really anything like that at the time. It was, you know, it was more, if it was going to be like that, it was more like Godsmack or something or Disturbed. Okay. And we weren't doing that we were playing yeah. like, like more zeppelin you know what i mean like sure so it's just and then we got contos which was a great fit you know after oh you know eric kretz was in that band for a while too from sun pilots oh no he, shit. I, yeah he played drums with us for a while um, and he produced a ton of stuff i didn't really talk about him but from the early man Made god demos um, up until the very last spiral arms record eric produced a lot of different things that we did Great producer, wow. yeah, really man. good.
0: I didn't know that. That's fucking awesome.
1: Yeah, and he played in the band for about a year, and uh, when our bass player left, STP S- 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 was talking about getting back together. So he's like, "I, you know, I got to do that." we like, "Go, go, see you, yeah. Bye. Oh, and then sure. we got we got uh, Chris Contos, and that was great, uh, creative, yeah, really dude, really good. But but no one really gi- no one started to give shit much about Spiral Arms outside of the Bay Area until we released Freedom. Gotcha. Um, and Freedom got some good spin and good pub around 2010. Okay, but I mean, there's like five years of like multitudes of amazing recordings and album quality shit and just all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and no one really, you know, it's like you just, you know, you, you I see my friends from all these bands and I like "What, you still with that band?" I'm like, "Yeah." You know, there I like, go. Oh, when are you gonna play metal? I'm you know, like, when are you gonna do some metal." You know? And right. that was like people's attitudes towards yeah, the band so for a that while was like
0: 2010 and then right around the corner basically
1: is the forbidden yeah. reunion yeah well that was in 2008 we did the forbidden reunion in 2008 and i had no intention of of making that a full-time thing right. uh, i was really into the whole spiral arms uh getting a record deal which we did and you know we got with spv in europe and, and you know it took a while it was like a slow burn um yeah,
0: see, my fault. I'm, think, I'm thinking because Omega Wave came
1: out in 2010. Well, but that's okay. why I got my. Well, shit. Let, me, let me let me lay it down. So when we went to Europe, it was a big sticking point for the guys in uh, Spiral Arms. Like, are you going to come back? Are you gonna, you know are you going to leave? I'm like, I'm. This is my band, dude. I started this band, with Tim. You know, like the two original guys. I'm like, there's no way I'm fucking bailing. So All I went right. to Europe and I did that tour, and I and I realized, you know that how much, it wasn't about the audience because I knew there was always an audience. It was never about that. But I realized how much fun it was for me to play those songs night after night. And then I entertained the idea of possibly coming home writing a riff or two and seeing what happens. And I put that out into the ether and that got on uh, a, a video interview and that went home then everyone's freaking out they're thinking he's never coming back I'm like <laughs> oh no man. that's no I've, I've worked out all this stuff since then it's all yeah cool but it was one of those moments where everyone just freaked out and it was for nothing you know for yeah. nothing yeah. and uh you know was, but once i came home and there's a little bit of blow up and then i started writing music and when i started writing music i came up with Adapter die and hope gnosis right off the bat and i was like okay I, we recorded that stuff, and ironically, I recorded that stuff with Tim. I wanted Tim, the uh, singer Spiral Arms, to produce that stuff with me, so he'd know that I wasn't leaving. You know, yeah. and he did. We did good work together. We recorded a mega together. Hey, Slees, can you plug that other plug-in that's down there because it's the lights? Yeah, just pull. Yeah, you'll see. There's another plug right there. Yeah, that's the one. Just, there you go. Sorry. They got yeah, a better life now fine it's, it's all good. Uh, look at that look at that
0: oh look at that look like you have a nice tan now
1: <laughs> not really <laughs> That's what I said, anyway so like but you know so these are the these are the things these are these are like little like oh almost oh not quite oh and a lot of people would get like really jaded and i never have i've never been jaded um i've, I've been disappointed i've been disappointed in myself and other people I've you know I've fallen short in some of my expectations I've you sure know, but I but I've never sold my he sold myself short or uh didn't put my best effort forth and you know I have a catalog that I'm really really proud of that led up to that point yeah man. once once I got a record deal and did the, the omega wave I pulled in Tim as I was saying again And we worked on that and we had Steve uh, Smythe helping us and Mark Mark Hernandez, who plays with me today at Dressed the Dead still. That was just a massive, massive lineup. It was was about as, you know, short of having Tim Calvert, it was more like that. And, you know, Steve is more like a player like Tim and very orchestrated and understands a lot of them. So he was a great writing partner, even though he lived in fucking London. And we'd send oh, our shit no back and forth, shit. you know. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, but it worked. He's a Bay Area guy. He'd come home at least, you know, a couple times a year, and we had him home for the entire time. Obviously, we were recording and stuff like that. So it was a, it was a great relationship, and a great record came of that. And uh, I tried to really work my stuff out so Spiral Arms could go on at the same time, and it yeah. did for quite a few years. Actually, Spiral Arms went on longer. Forbidden did Omega Wave in 2010 mm-hmm. after two tours of Europe. Uh, then we did, you know, all the U S stuff, 100 wave. Then we're supposed to do a big European tour. And, uh, that's where forbidden kind of fell apart when we went to Chile. Cause Russ was just like, I, I don't really, you know, want to do whacking. I don't know if you saw, you know, he just, he approached me on the flight home from Chile after we played for 10,000 people. Why wouldn't you want to do whacking? It's like well, the biggest fucking festival ever. It is. We were in we were in one of the side stages, was just like you know, four thousand people, which is fine for whacking. It's like it's still killer, yeah. Um, but he felt disrespected, like you know. But we turned them down twice before that, And so we finally said yes, and they finally put us in a spot. And I said, "Dude, I, if you if you're not going to do whacking, and we got to cancel, you know, all this other stuff, like I really can't." We already canceled the whole European tour because our drummer Mark had, had to quit like two weeks, you no, know, one week before the tour. He had to bail because he was having fa- family problems, and we we're like, "What are we going to do?" We had two, yeah. we have D- Demonica and and uh, Forbidden. We're both on the tour. We were the headliner. We had a double D- duty, so he was double duty, and I can't be there. So that went by. I said, "We cannot cancel another European trip, dude. It's going to fucking kill our credibility." Sure. So. You know he said well i'm not gonna go so i said well i'm not gonna make you go and we never f- said we we're over we never said it was done we just kind of like took a step back and i uh put all my efforts into spiral arms and you know um, is it done now though you think forbidden yeah i never say never but i, I really do never say never and i think it'd be stupid to say never Right, but Russ is uh, doing well in recovery now. Good alcohol. Uh, living in Arizona, totally different life. Okay. You know, <laughs> bless you. He's um, he's in a different space. You know, I mean, he would love to, and he and we've talked, and we love each other, and we all helped him get him into this rehab thing. Good, but yeah, you know, like my, I mean, really, dude, you know, really we haven't even rolled on to dress the dead because ever since this thing started, um, you know, it's been, it's been what I've been after because it's all my thrash roots mixed together with all my other influences.
0: Yeah. Let's talk with a little that, bit about, little little about dress the dead. And then I'll, and then I'll let you go eat your barbecue stuff. Yeah. Cause we have to talk about dress the dead dude.
1: Of course. Well, I mean, that's, that's, that's what I'm doing. And right. And you know, but, you know, just getting back to the Forbidden Thing, you know, if if the right opportunity came, Russ was up to it and felt healthy, I would get the same lineup together that we had for Omega Wave because, uh, you know, everyone's got, you know, originally we were going to do inter- um, all this stuff with O-Staff along for the ride, you know, and right. he, he got sucked into Testament as soon as we started talking about uh, <laughs> any any kind of thing. They're like, oh, shit, Testament needed a drummer, so like... yeah. They, we need you, Paul, you know, to do a record now. So, of course, yeah. he has to take that game. Of course. So, it never worked out with him timing-wise. You know he's got this thing going on with Kerry King now. So, you know, it probably would never really work out with Paul. Right. But, yeah, I would, you know, down the road, maybe next year, a show if Russ feels up to it. But I really, dude, I really don't want to put the amount of work into that. Right.
0: No, I don't. YouTube. I don't blame you. Maybe like a part-time thing. Do a festival run if this world gets back to whatever normal That's is going to be. That's where it
1: all started. And then my life fucking flipped over. You know, like of course, everyone sucked me back in. <laughs> but, you know, the thing with dressed to dead is, is, like, you know, the, we're all we're all older, seasoned, badass musicians, and Kayla's like 25 and fucking ferocious. Yeah, know? like literally, other than Russ, the greatest singer I've ever been in the room with. Yeah, and, and in a lot of ways, you know, she's got more tools. You got more, more blades on the you know the Swiss Army knife. She can do a lot of things, dude. Like very much like Russ. And Russ actually was funny. Is that's one thing. Once he heard 1969, I got a text from him when I hadn't heard from him in months, and he said, "Dude, your new band is so badass." He's like, "He's <laughs> like your singer's amazing." Like, yeah, I was like, "Wow, Russ." I'm like, "Do you really mean that?" So, like, "Dude, I'm fucking blown away." This is all taxed. i like, that's awesome. That's great. I was, I was really touched by that. I was like, yeah, right absolutely. Dude. I told her, she's a like, really, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, what can I tell you, dude? She's, she's just uh, a force and I've never come across anyone like her. You know? Yeah, Smart, independent, uh, you know, young, black, not really coming from anywhere that I, you know, I, I don't know i mean how, how do these things all line up like that but yeah. she found us she was turned on to us once peter Dolving left because my my original idea was that peter from the haunted of the band okay And that went really well until all of a sudden peter's like i can't and it and it just shocked the shit out of us because we were talking about things the day before like coming out and doing stuff yeah but basically he had anxiety about being committed to a band and the physical exertions and i didn't I don't, now I don't blame him at all. I'm glad he did it then. I'm glad he did it then instead of on the road. Yeah. But was, you know, Peter, Peter's a real artist. And when he's feeling pressure and tortured, you'll know. Yeah. yeah. And so I appreciate that he did that, but it took us nine months for Kayla to pop out of the woodwork. And I get a text from this girl and it's like, Hey, I'm Kayla from which mountain. And I hear you need a singer. and I, She was nervous to talk to us. She's, She knew for a couple months. Lucky for us, we couldn't find anybody that was great, just really good. We found actually, there were some great singers, just not great with us. Right. And uh, yeah, I was like, as soon as I got that text, I'm like, yeah, we got, yeah, you can check it out. You know, two days later, she's sending us stuff uh, and it sounded fucking phenomenal. And then uh, not even three days later after that, she was in the Bay Area from Oregon where she lives in the room with us and as soon as she started singing I just looked at everybody and I'm like, that's it. That's it. You just know.
0: You just know. She was exactly what you were looking for without even realizing it.
1: That's awesome. Three years ago today she played her first show when we played Killian on Command. No shit. Three years ago today. And I I told those guys when this thing started I'm like, do not think about moving quickly. I'm like, forget it. Because it's just gonna, after what happened with Peter I'm like, let's just fucking right take our time and then then we you know it ended up working out yeah it ended up all working out that we got a great attorney we got a great situation with blood blast because now we can move anywhere we want to when this whole thing's up all right so i think somehow some weird fucking way it all worked out better than i thought it would yeah An any old cliche
0: line man things always happen for a reason and sometimes it's true
1: plus my parameters are different Right. I don't have the same parameters as a young kid looking at, we're going to attack the world. Like there, there's, where are you going? There's no tour. You know, what yeah. What are you doing right now? So we can do our music. We can write, we can put our art out. We can start laying out videos one by one. We can build ourselves over an eight month period with eight songs, one song a month for eight months. Boom, 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 boom. That's, that's our deal with these guys. When go. that deals up, we're free and clear to go where no one else has that. Like it's, we could stay, if we really like the relationship, we can stay. I right. think that we could move on to something more like a real normal label thing. Yeah. We can do that. That's great. You have
0: freedom to do that shit. That's awesome.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's just about being realistic with where you at sure. right now. You know, yeah. it's not the same world as it was even, you know, a year ago. No, so, not at all. It's all a gift. It's yeah. all a gift. You can play music and anyone cares at all. That's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. That's fucking awesome. I was never in a band and so many people like you would never in a band. I was like, for some weird reason, I don't know. My life went, I don't know. Always, always music, always constantly. I don't know what the fuck I would ever do without it. And I'm, I'm immersed in all kinds of it. And, but for some reason I was never in a band and I kind of kicked myself in the ass. You know what I mean? I don't know how to play an instrument for nothing. I would just have to yell at people, you know,
1: but let me tell you, there's too many guys in bands. Yeah, no shit. First of all, we need more girls in bands, so we got one of those. But right. you know, <laughs> no, there's so many bands. Fucking, I act. know, dude. And your chances. I tell my kid all the time, I'm like, dude, you got no chance. All right. But you're amazing. But but on the other hand, I look at them like they're pretty fucking good. So we'll see. Yeah.
0: So at least they're really good. So at least they have some sort of a shot. But you're a realist. Like, listen, my daughter wants to be an actress. She's 11. I'm like,
1: good luck with that. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, you know, Kayla's an actress and she does uh, theater and she uh, sings in the theater and also, you know, dances and does the whole thing, man. To girls, like, it, that's how you get. If you want to be an actress, you got to get into theater Yep. really first. Yeah. You know, and that way you can learn what you're great at. Is yeah. it going to be dancing? Is it going to be singing? Is it going to be singing and dancing? Or is it just going to be acting? Right. You know, yeah. Dude. That's my advice. I mean, I, I just watch her. She was hustling, working hard, and then the whole COVID thing happened, and then shut our our European because we have plans. We were going to play in Europe last year, and that didn't happen. So you know now we're gonna be supposed to go back this year, and you know, that's very unlikely. That's very unlikely. So, yeah, so look, looking like twenty twenty two is the target for hopefully. Everyone. No, twenty twenty two will be for sure. Dude. They're going to have everyone. Most people will be uh, inoculated that have to go from country to country. So,
0: right.
1: Uh, by then, I'm I'm 99.9% positive that we'll be up and running.
0: Listen, I hope you're right, dude, because I can't wait to go to a show. I need a concert. just like. And listen, touring musicians, I mean, there's people, I, I have really good friends of mine who are, that's their livelihood, period. You know what I mean? Like, that's how they put food on the table for their family. And, I, it's, I mean, it's got to be fucked. I'm not telling you nothing that you don't already
1: know. Believe me, I know. You know, know. of course you do. It, it, It's It's bullshit, but it... At the same time, it's bullshit. What you know? I'll just leave you with this: our country has more of a problem than anywhere else in the world because everyone's got this hard on for what they think their freedom is. Right. And everywhere else in the world takes things a little bit more seriously. Right. Even the third world countries take right. shit just a little bit more seriously, so they don't have as much of a fucking out of control situation as this country does. We have egos, man. We got egos, and everyone thinks they know what freedom means. It's, you can be free to do a lot of things, but free free to be selfish and free to be an asshole to other people and free to fucking infringe on other people's airspace. You, you know, yeah. there's certain things like I made a joke the other day when the whole thing happened on Twitter, with, with everything happened on Twitter. I was like, sometimes everybody needs a big brother to come in and beat someone's ass. <laughs> it's right. <laughs> and you know you what know, I said? If I fucking go right in the sky, bum rush the White House, by the time I land... They're fucking ushering me off to fucking jail. Of course, For certain things. And so, just uh, common sense. And people are missing that because they think they got, you know, don't infringe on my freedom. We're like, no, dude, you know. So, I can walk around with a fucking mask and not feel like a uh, someone stealing my fucking freedom. That's right. just ridiculous. That, yeah. that just means I'm just doing my little tiny part. Right. That's it. It's That's all I got to do. Okay, yeah. I'm good with this. You know, yeah. I'll wait my turn yeah for, i'll wait my turn for a shot I'm, i'll be 100 million people before me so i'll see what happens exactly <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> there's getting guinea, guinea pigs for days i'll figure out. of course let's get i'll be here but you got you guys can go first if you're yeah, you go first oh
0: god go yeah. first Let, i don't want the i don't want the beta version the 5g robots right so fucking ridiculous
1: i'm a conspiracy guy dude Me too, bro. I've seen the stupidest shit in the last two years, the stupidest shit I've ever seen in my life, that none of it's turned out to work out and be true.
0: Dude, I – None of it. Everyone hates that term, and I don't like that term because it makes people automatically think you're insane. But I'm definitely a conspiracy guy. But there are some things that people – I'm like, come on.
1: We could do a whole show on that, and – It's it's like – Hey, listen, dude. You saw, you, one you saw. saw the Capitol goes, building two weeks ago, right? Yeah. You saw the Capitol building. Yes. Yeah. That that's what the internet's done. It's ridiculous. That's it, when it, I the, just said. I'm out. The one of the worst
0: things <laughs> ever. I'll leave you with this, and then we then we'll we'll start wrapping it up. Is 9/11 is a very very touchy situation for me because it happened right here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And for someone to tell me or be adamant or want to fucking argue back and forth and tell me that there weren't even planes you're insane
1: You're yeah, that's, ins- a, that's that's no those no. were holograms they were bop dude i've heard it all i've heard it all and i've entertained a few of the ideas along the way i don't know you know the 9-11 is one of those ones i <laughs> regard my whole thing with 9 is i don't know what it was right i don't know i don't i'm sure there were planes involved Yes, but I don't think there was a plane that hit the Pentagon. Pentagon. No, no, absolutely, because there's absolutely not. Zero. Like, so, but it, you know, and then on top of that, I would just leave it at none of that happens without cooperation from our own airspace. Of course not. None of that happens without cooperation from our own airspace. None. They shut. They, it was a shutdown day for war games anyway. So I, that's where I leave. It. Right. Like, okay. Operation that's, Global that's Guardian. I know nothing else. I know right. Nothing else. Just common sense is where I stop. Yeah. Yeah. We're Listen, right. I got to yeah. run anyway. I, I got to run. Um, All right. I people waiting for me here. Your social but, media stuff real quick. You're on Instagram.
0: Your personal one. Uh, Craig LaCicero on Instagram. Is there a yeah. forbidden Instagram?
1: There isn't. I was just thinking yesterday. I'm like, I can't believe there isn't because it would probably get really Aaron. big, really fast. <laughs> yes. You should I, I got to figure out how to add a third because I, I, I run the Dress the Dead page with the uh, with the band. So I got to figure out, can I add three? I got to, you can. I can add three. I'll I have I'll, three next week. If I could do it. I have three. One. All right. Well then I will make a forbidden page like next week. Awesome. and
0: stuff. It's dress the dead
1: on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Right. And also we have a YouTube channel. Yes. Okay. A lot of shit's going to be on the YouTube channel. and We're also doing the uh, Patreon too, which is going to be a lot more cool stuff on Patreon, like That's way awesome. more stuff on Patreon. That's awesome. Yeah. And last That's but probably th- where you're going to get to know the band the best during all this bullshit. Well,
0: there is I know I know for a fact there's an actual video for 1969 from Trusted Dead. And it's
1: killed. There is and and uh but now but that that song is being re-released uh in 2 weeks uh, on on Blood Blast with a new remix. Um, awesome. Another uh alternate video, like a whole different in the in the video for Knives Out comes out uh, this week. Sick. So we're 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 going to be putting out videos like every month, like all kinds of new stuff every single month. That's awesome, dude. Yeah. yeah. I mean shit, we're 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 doing it. I wish you guys nothing but the best. The band fucking rules. And
0: last thing, um this video I just put this up raw on YouTube like this, but the audio version that goes everywhere, iTunes, Spotify everywhere, I put my little intro on it and I want to ask you to pick a forbidden song and address the dead song for me to tack on to the end of the episode.
1: Sure. Um, why don't we do, uh, what we give people something a little different from forbidden. And why don't you, uh, give them hypnotized by the rhythm with the intro and everything. Okay. Uh, from forbidden. like get, okay. Fuck all that shit. You know, like that's out distortion. And, um, because I think that that intro says a lot about where we are still today. Okay. And uh, for Dressed to Dead, yeah, definitely definitely do Knives Out. Knives Out. There yeah. it is. They both They both speak volumes about where we are right now. Awesome, dude. Dude, once
0: again, thank you so much for your time, the music, and everything. I appreciate you and much respect and the best of everything for you, man.
1: Thank you, brother. Yeah. I, I will t- yeah just let me know and I'll I'll put up the link on our page.
0: Yeah, it'll be it'll be in a couple of weeks. So I have a couple beforehand,
1: but I'll absolutely keep you posted. Awesome, dude. Anytime. Awesome. Thank you my man. All right, have a good one. Later.
0: Reeling from death and destruction of immense proportions this morning, the full extent of the devastation remains unclear. At-
1: Lord Jesus Christ who said to your apostles, I leave you peace, my peace I give you.
0: Oh. Oh. Oh.
1: Yeah. <gasps> <laughs> to see leave o j what the hell is going on here propaganda. <laughs>